0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Setlist Podcast. This is episode number nine. You can find the uh, notes for this episode at slash setlist slash podcast slash nine. That's uh, how you can find each individual episode of this show. The uh, Setlist Podcast is just my way of uh, keeping up to date, keeping you up to date with different things that are happening here at Texas Blues Alley. Uh, There's no reason I couldn't write these things down and put them on the blog, Uh, but sometimes I feel like talking rather than writing. seems to come a little bit more naturally, so that's why I do these episodes. Anyway, uh, in this episode, I'm just going to talk a little bit about some more details of the upcoming speed course, talk about some new strings that I got coming out, uh, some features for the locals, and uh, an upcoming trip to Austin, Texas I'm going to be taking... And then uh, addressing a question that came up during one of my Facebook live streams last week, uh, the question of uh, how powerful of an amp uh, should you get. Um, Yeah, so we're gonna get to all that. Let's start with the speed course updates. Uh, So basically, the reason this course or this set of courses has taken so long for me to get finished is because I'm trying to do some things that I've never done before. One of my strengths as a teacher is deconstructing information and presenting it in chunks that make it easy uh, for people to learn. One of the things that I'm not as good at is writing things out that basically hold your hand as you go through something uh, in terms of do this on day one, do this on day two, kind of like day-to-day coaching. It's just not really something that's been in my wheelhouse too much. But when I started planning this course, one of the things that I knew is that uh, there are gonna be people using it who have very limited amounts of time. And to the extent that I can make it clear what they're supposed to be working on, uh, it makes it that much easier for them to get something out of a course because now they spend less time figuring out what's the quote unquote right thing to do uh, on any given day. Uh, The other thing that I wanted to incorporate, aside from more uh, direct application guidance like that, I also wanted to incorporate more tracking so that you can measure your progress. Now, this is all stuff that was new for me, so it's taken me a while to figure out how I want to structure the course to incorporate uh, progressively more difficult things, with clear indications of when each section is done, and also how you can track your progress on those things. So fortunately, uh, a lot of that has become clear to me over the past couple of weeks, so here's basically how the course is gonna be structured. Uh, There's gonna be different levels in this collection. The first one will be level one, obviously targeted at beginners. And uh, each level is gonna have two aspects. You're gonna have daily drills, and you're also gonna have progressive exercises. Now, the daily drills are things that you're supposed to do every day. These are things where you don't need to think about it. You just sit down and you do it. It's the same drill the whole way through the level. The point is is to do it regularly. These drills are gonna work on your um, dexterity, uh, your hand strength, your hand endurance, Uh, In the higher levels of of the collection, uh, these drills will focus on picking technique and that sort of thing. Uh, So you're going to have these daily drills, but you're also going to have progressive exercises. Progressive exercises are directly applicable things that we're going to be studying to improve your speed. Uh, And these are things that are going to get progressively harder And as you go through the level, you're going to move from one exercise to the next when you complete the one before it. And I'm going to have metrics for how you can tell when you are done with a particular exercise so that you know when you're supposed to move on to the next one. Now, these are different than the drills in that the drills stay the same all the way through this level. The idea is to do them daily, which is why they're called daily drills. The exercises are progressive, meaning that you move down the list, and when you're finished with the list, that's how you know you're done with that level uh, of that course. So daily drills, progressive exercises, uh, you're going to be able to record what you've done each day and where applicable what your uh, accomplishment was that day in terms of speed, The goal behind all of this is that I want you to be able to build up a list of how many days in a row you've worked on this, what you've worked on, and be able to see your progress. Uh, The reason for this is, like I said, some of you out there have very limited time that you're working with, and uh, if you're going to set out to really build your speed uh, for playing guitar... I want to make it crystal clear to you that you are making progress, but I also want to make it crystal clear to you that if you're not working on it, of course you're not going to make progress. So that's why the daily tracking is there too, so that you can track what you're doing each day. So now that that structure, the drills and the exercises, has been kind of fleshed out, and I've kind of figured out how I want you to record and track all that stuff, I should begin shooting the first level, of these courses, uh, very soon. Uh, next thing I want to talk about is, uh, a new thing that I'm doing. I, uh, a while back, I went to, to buy some more guitar strings and, um, I realized that I get asked a lot what specific guitar strings I use. And, uh, my answer has for the past number of years been, uh, D'Addario EXL 115s, I think. Which were the closest I could find to strings that I liked how they sounded. And they had the right gauges. Uh, and even they weren't the exact right gauges. I think they went 11, 15, 18, 28, 30, whatever. Anyway, they were close, but they weren't quite right. But they did sound good because they're the uh, nickel wound strings. And um, I've done some tests and, and I've tried nickel pure nickel. I've tried um, the flat wound. And for some reason, the nickel wound is the particular make of string that sounds like it has the right amount of brightness to me. I don't know why. That's what I like. Uh, I have tried other brands of strings that had um, closer to the appropriate gauges, but I always felt like the nickel wound uh from diadario were what i liked the most so anyway i went looking and i was thinking about ordering some custom sets and i realized that um well after looking around i realized that nobody really makes a set of strings in the exact gauges that i want uh so i went looking and it turns out that uh, when you've got the resources you can actually have custom strings made for you um, for you to sell so what i did is i Looked at all the different makes of the strings, and I tried out the, the nickel wound, and they sounded, you know, acceptable, very close to what I was using before, but I was also able to get them in the exact gauges that I want. So I've just put up on the site now, uh, they're called the TXBA Power Lines, and I designed some graphics and everything, and basically they're not fancy, they're not cryogenically frozen or coated with uh, something that NASA designed, they're just... Plain old heavy gauge nickel wound electric guitar strings for E-flat tuning. And the gauges are 11, 16, 19, 32, 42, and 54. Uh, I'm gonna do a Tone Tuesday video about why I chose those exact gauges, but basically now I have essentially a lifetime supply of strings that sound the way that I want and are in the exact gauges that I want, but now they're also available for you to buy so the answer to the question, what strings do you use from now on, is going to be TXBA Powerlines. i selling them for a very reasonable $6 a set, and uh, you can also get a five-pack for like $25.99 or something like that. Uh, yeah, why would you buy them? I don't really know, other than that uh, if you want to play the same strings that I do, or if you also happen to like those gauges. Um, the main reason I got them made is because I'm very picky about the gauges of string that I want, and I could not find... Those exact gauges. So if I'm going to get custom sets made anyway, why not just get them with the Texas Blues Alley name on them? So that's uh, TXBA Powerlines. You can find them in the store at uh, texasbluesalley.com slash store slash strings. All right, next thing, uh, something that's been in the works for a while. Uh, the uh, TXBA Locals Program talked about it before Um One of the things that I've had somebody working on for the past couple of months, actually, is going back through my whole back catalog of Free Lesson Friday videos and adding instant loops to them. And uh, when I trained uh, this person to do this, what I told them was, go find the demonstrations in those lessons and just throw an instant loop around there. That way the locals, when they're watching it, can easily loop that section of the video. Uh, but I wasn't clear that that was all that I wanted him to do. So, uh, what he did is he went through and anytime I played something, he put an instant loop around it and gave it an appropriate name. So, as a result, the entire back catalog of 200 some odd Free Lesson Friday videos now has instant loops around just about anything in the lesson that I uh, demonstrated. So uh, there are lessons in there that have five, six. I've seen some as many as 10. Uh, Just a nice convenient thing if you're a local and you're watching Free Lesson Friday. Now there are loops in there to make it even easier for you to find things in that lesson to loop and uh, learn. Uh, Let's see here. Austin trip I have in my notes. Um, I am coming to Austin, Texas in the beginning of April. April 5th through the ninth, I believe. Uh, so I'll be in the city April 6th, seven, and eight. And basically what I'm trying to do is to find out uh, how many viewers and customers I have down there that would be interested in either private lessons, workshops, or uh, just a plain old meetup, probably at a barbecue joint, something like that, nothing too fancy, Uh, And I've been advertising this on Facebook for a little while. But if anybody happens to listen to this who did not see that, just go to the show notes for this episode. And there will be a link to a form you can fill out uh, to stay in the loop with what's going on down there. Um, Yeah, so trip to Austin, Texas in April. Got a couple places that I really like down there. There's um, Barbecue Wise... I've been to Rudy's. I've been to the one just on South Lamar or South Congress. I can't remember. Uh, I've also been to the Salt Lick in Driftwood. I've been to the legendary Franklin's. Took me about three hours to get into that one. And uh, a couple other places. And uh, I like all of them. I would say Franklin's is probably the best I've ever had. Close second with the Salt Lick. Um, but again, you got to wait kind of long to get into Franklin, so you got to weigh that. Um, I like Rudy's, which is where I'm thinking about having the meetup because um, it's fast. They got a lot of seating, it's not complicated. And uh, for chain barbecue, it's really, really good. Um, music store wise, I like South Austin Music. I like Austin Vintage Guitars, which is now north of Austin. Uh, man, it's been a while. Where else have I been down there? There's a little boutique, Calaveras boutique, that I visited a couple years ago. Um, yeah, all kinds of cool places. So I'm actually going down there with the the whole family, but I'm going to make some time to do some Texas Blues Alley kind of stuff if you're in the area. Got people from uh, Houston. So they're thinking about driving down. So I want to, if I do anything uh, workshop-wise, I'm going to try and make it worth their while seems kind of weird for somebody to drive a couple hours just to hang out. So want to uh, do something that's worth their time if they're going to do that. Um, I think I'm going to finish up now just uh, addressing a question here that uh, came up during a live stream last week, and that is how powerful does your amp really need to be? So I think somebody was asking this question in the context of uh, they're in a small band or they're going to be in a small band and they want to know if the Blues Junior is... Powerful enough for them to use at, at gigs. And uh, even though their question was specifically about the Blues Jr. and playing live, the underlying question is how powerful of an amp do you need uh, for that situation? And it's something that people ask a lot, a lot of uh, confusion out there. And basically what it boils down to is this. Uh, when you are dealing with tube amps, more watts in general means more volume but specifically it usually means more clean volume so for example if you were to buy a five watt tube amp that had no master volume on it i'm sure you know like imagine like a fender champ or a fender princeton that's only five watts if you crank that thing up when you're playing in your bedroom it would be loud enough to disturb the rest of the people in your house if you cranked it up to 10. Uh, Because 5 watts can be really, really loud. However, uh, if you were to take that into a situation where you're playing with a drummer and a bass player, you might be loud enough for them to hear over the drummer, but you would pretty much have to crank it up most of the way to even get close. Now, that becomes a problem when you don't want your amp breaking up the way that a tube amp does when you crank it up. So clean headroom is how loud the amp can be before the tubes start to basically be saturated and to distort your tone. Uh, And a funny thing is, is that when you're playing at home, you tend to maybe want a little bit more distortion than you do live because when you're playing by yourself having the tube saturating like that makes your tone sound fatter you get more natural compression there so you got more sustain but when you get out live uh i have found more often than not that i end up wanting my amp to break up less uh, because you're getting a little bit of an assist with your sustain just because of the volume uh And you don't necessarily need all of the extra compression of really overdriving the amp. And the more that your amp is compressing and and breaking up, sometimes the less you're able to hear yourself in the mix. Um, So using the example of a little 5-watt amp, a 5-watt amp without a master volume will be more volume than you could ever really need at home jamming in your bedroom as long as you uh, are living with other people. Now you think about the Blues Junior, which is 15 watts. The Blues Junior is interesting because it is 15 watts, but it also has a master volume. So when you're playing at home, you can crank up the input gain and turn down the master and still get some uh, compression and breakup out of the preamp, but controlling the output of the power amp section to control the volume. Uh, It's not generally as nice and not as harmonically rich as cranking it wide open, but when you're dealing with volume restrictions, you don't always have that luxury. But the point is is that you can take that 15 watt amp and you can run it at really low volumes and still get some grit out of it. So at that point, the fact that it's 15 watts doesn't really matter because you're using the master volume to turn that down anyway. What's important about the 15 watts is that if you are to go if you go play with a band, You can open that master volume wide up, and then run your input gain lower, and get a decent amount of clean headroom out of it. Uh, And if you're playing with a small band, like I've used them in rehearsals before where there was no PA, and a 15-watt amp with anyone other than a crazy drummer who plays everything insanely loud, You'll be fine with a 15-watt amp. It's not going to be perfectly clean, but they'll be able to hear you. Now, if you take it to a gig, if you're playing a gig with any kind of reasonable PA where you can mic the amp, there's no reason why you would need anything more than a 15-watt amp until you get into a bigger venue where you've got over like 100 people. A 15-watt amp mic'd through a good PA and fed back through the monitors is perfectly capable of being used at, you know, small to medium-sized gigs. Now, where you might run into some problems where you might want a higher powered amp is if you need more clean headroom than what you can get out of a 15 watt amp in the context of a show. So let's say that you're at a show where you can't, for whatever reason, feed the amp through your stage monitor. What that means is that you will be relying on the volume of the amp itself for you to hear. Now, let's say they can feed it through the PA system. So you don't need to worry about the 15-watt amp not being loud enough for the crowd. But for whatever reason, you can't get it through your stage monitors. So you are depending on the sound coming out of the amp directly as your way of hearing it now let's say it's in a big open stage outdoors or whatever and you really need to crank the amp up just so you can hear yourself because the farther you get away from the amp the harder it is to hear Uh, what you'll find is that a 15 watt amp once you get into a big stage in a big room uh, it doesn't stay clean that loud Uh, once you start opening that master wide up and you know that might not be a problem, but if your style of music depends on having a very clean bass tone, that's where you'd want to start looking at a higher powered amp, something like maybe a uh, like a Deluxe Reverb or a Hot Rod Deluxe, which I think is 40 watts or something like that. And uh, 15 watts cranked wide open will give you a decent amount of breakup at the volume where it's comfortable to play with drums. A 40-watt amp, on the other hand, uh, I played with a VibraVerb at an outdoor show one time, which is 40 watts, and I had it turned on three, and I had to face it away from the bass player because it was too loud for him. Uh, So a 40-watt amp, for most shows, will give you all the clean headroom you could possibly want, but what you can't do, in most cases, is crank it up so far that you get that real nice natural breakup. So it's kind of like a balancing act. The more powerful the amp is, the louder you can have it run clean without too much compression and breakup, but you lose the ability to get that breakup and compression if you want it because you have to get it so darn loud to make that happen. Now, of course, the X factor is whether or not it has a drive channel and a master volume. So if you take a 40-watt amp that has an input, let's say it's a single-channel amp, let's say it has input gain and a master volume. So imagine like a 40-watt Blues Junior, same controls. In that case, you could find a good ratio between the master volume and the input gain to find the right amount of breakup and then turn the master volume up to the level that the sound man allows you to turn up to. Uh, Where you get into trouble is when you have a high-powered amp with no master volume or no channel switching. So for example, on the, uh, let's say, the hot rod Deluxe has a clean channel without a master volume, and then it has a drive channel with an input and a master volume. So when you're using an amp like that, you would set the clean volume to the maximum allowed volume that you're allowed to use set by the Soundman. Then you would switch to the drive channel, Find the appropriate amount of gain with the input drive and the input gain, and then set the master volume of the drive channel to match or slightly exceed the vo- perceptible vo- perceived volume level of the clean channel. Um, so this is why sometimes higher-powered amps have a separate drive channel because uh, you need to have more preamp gain stages to get the right amount of uh, compression and distortion. Uh, because you can't rely on the power tubes to get that because uh, it simply is too loud. Um, So I hope some of this has made sense. Uh, Kind of a long, rambling uh, discussion of amp power. But basically, you don't need much power for home, and you'd be surprised how loud 5 watts can be. But as you get into a situation with a band... A lot of it depends on what the PA system is, whether or not you can hear your amp through your monitor, uh, whether or not your amp is going to be miked, how much clean volume do you want, and how distorted do you want your bass tone from the amp to be. Anyway, if you've got more specific questions about that, feel free to leave them in the comments on this episode's page. Uh, TexasBlueZilla.com slash setlist slash podcast slash 9. Till next time, thanks for listening.